Hello and welcome to I4Us Today, KPMG's podcast series on I4Us and financial reporting. In this podcast, we'll take a look at blockchain and cryptocurrencies, both topics generating a lot of noise in business circles. Today, I'm pleased to have with me two KPMG colleagues who both field great first-hand experience of the issues. First up, we have Brian Fields, a partner in the US firm with particular expertise in accounting for cryptocurrencies. He's joined by Emma Hunter, who heads up the financial crime legal practice in the UK firm. So, Brian and Emma, thanks for joining us on I4Us today. Thanks, James. It's great to be here. You know, stepping back, I look at blockchain as just one part of a broader wave of emerging technology. Think about things like artificial intelligence and automation with the capacity to profoundly impact all aspects of the financial reporting process. If you look at blockchain in particular, it was originally developed to support Bitcoin, which is now one of many cryptocurrencies. But I look at blockchain as about much more than just digital currency. Blockchain, the technology, independent of cryptocurrency, has the potential to impact all aspects of the financial reporting process, from preparing financial statements, auditing them, and analyzing financial information. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, let's break this down really simply. Blockchain, we hear often referred to as DLT or distributed ledger technology. And I think the explanation of what blockchain is, is really right there in the name. You know, it is a widely distributed, publicly available digital ledger. And that ledger can record anything. So going back to your Bitcoin example, it can record Bitcoin transactions, but it also record smart contracts and really anything else that's put onto the blockchain. Because the technology itself or or the the DLT ledger is decentralized, it means that no single individual or organization maintains and controls it. And whilst you can permission blockchain, which essentially means you can restrict certain elements of the blockchain technology, essentially everyone can see a copy of the ledger. And it's quite immutable. And that means really that once something's on the blockchain, it can't be changed. So people use that as an argument to say it's very reliable because the information once on the blockchain can't be altered. You don't have to take part in the maintenance of blockchain to use it. You can use it if you have a private digital key. So to put this into context, and let's make it akin to a bank account. When you have a bank account, you'll have your BSB number or your sort code. That's akin to your public digital key, something that everyone can see. But you'll also have a private digital key, which is a bit like a PIN number. So you can use your private digital key to carry out a transaction and that transaction will be recorded on the blockchain. No one else can interfere with that transaction or take part in that transaction unless they've got your private digital key. And we can only trace the transaction or see what's happened by looking at the public digital key. Yeah, it's a very interesting way to transact, a novel way, but it's some of those attributes you mentioned, Emma, that give Bitcoin cryptocurrencies a real capacity for use by criminal organizations, people that want to transact but keep their real identities hidden. Absolutely. And this is an area for great concern, both for businesses and the regulators alike you know, honing back to that point of anonymity or really pseudonymity. Let's go again, use Bitcoin. It is the most commonly kind of, you know, associated piece of technology when we're looking at the DLT. If I want to purchase a Bitcoin, I can essentially open a digital wallet and some digital wallet providers don't require any due diligence information about me, just an email address. And we all know I could have an email address like crazylawyer123 at gmail.com. So that will not give 
any clue to my true identity and what's behind the transaction. So whilst we can look at this, you know, wholly distributed ledger and it's recorded on the blockchain and everyone can see that a transaction has happened, we're only able to see that that transaction or trace that transaction to crazylawyer123 at gmail.com. It's definitely technology that's pushing the boundaries and raising questions around how we actually regulate this, what regulatory frameworks that already exist will apply, and what do we need to put in place to ensure that it's effectively regulated and controlled. That's absolutely right, Emma. I do think about this technology as challenging norms and frameworks in many areas, both regulatory and otherwise. So for instance, while we can see a lot of risks in that Bitcoin or cryptocurrency arena, some of those same attributes could be used by business in productive ways. If you think about traditional intermediaries like banks, brokerages, insurance entities, they can see those capacities and they're investing money in blockchain research. These kinds of decentralized ways of transacting and keeping information might have implications for their business models. Really, you can think about blockchain like many other emerging technologies. For instance, artificial intelligence or even cloud computing, there's nothing inherently bad about the technology. It's all about how it's used and how it's secured. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think another important thing to note here is that blockchain and cryptocurrency are not the same thing. Blockchain is just the technology that underpins cryptocurrency. You know, it made its public debut at the same time that Bitcoin did, and they are inextricably linked. But you can have blockchain without cryptocurrency. You can't have cryptocurrency without blockchain. We're seeing various use cases for blockchain that have nothing to do with cryptocurrency. So kind of turn your mind to supply chain management, for example, or or verification. But it is fair to say that the tech isn't perfect. And you hear a lot in the press about scalability issues, bottlenecks around processing speed, for example, and also how energy intensive the technology is. I remember reading that in order to mine one Bitcoin, the same amount of energy is used by one US household for one and a half days. So that's, you know, quite energy intensive. And we've all heard the joke about pizza, using Bitcoin to order a pizza. Well, by the time the transaction's validated, the pizza's going to be pretty cold and moldy. So there are definitely limitations around speed and energy consumption. And there are scalability, you know, efforts being put in to try to circumvent those issues. And we've also had lots of problems with cryptocurrency. And a lot of that has hit the press. And and yes, it has been exploited in financial crimes. So a lot of the bad rap that is associated with blockchain has come from cryptocurrency. And, you know, it's kind of people not understanding the distinction between the two, that they are different and that blockchain technology can be quite separate from cryptocurrency. And we also should note that a lot of the issues around cryptocurrency have happened off-chain often and arisen more due to human error or poor security around the transacting party themselves as opposed to the blockchain technology. Okay, thanks, Emma. It's worth saying to listeners new to blockchain that some of the terminology surrounding attack can be pretty arcane sounding. It's take your nodes or miners, for example. To help explain these and some others, we pulled together a brief glossary that you can access on the webpage for this podcast. You can take a look at this later. So, Brian, now that we've covered the overall concept of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, how would you say the accountancy profession is responding to its implications? Good question, James. The accounting for digital assets is certainly an emerging area, and like other areas, it challenges traditional boundaries. So far, neither the FASB nor the ISB have provided specific accounting guidance on digital assets, and I think it's fair to say that as the technology continues to evolve, People are going to need to be thoughtful in thinking about what particular accounting standards govern assets that really the world has never seen before. 
I'm kind of interested to hear, Brian, your thoughts on tokenization. You know, it's quite a trend at the moment, tokenization being, you know, where we kind of digitize a representation of an asset or a right on the blockchain, and that's created so that it can be transferred. Obvious examples are, of course, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but some non-cryptocurrency examples also include tokenization of rights, which will give holders access rights to particular services or online platforms of information, for example. How are companies accounting for such assets? I think that's a critical hook, actually, for thinking about the accounting. Really, that is the first question I ask when I'm confronted with one of these new digital assets, which is, what exactly has been tokenized? What are the specific rights and obligations that are being conveyed in one of these transactions on the blockchain? So, for instance, if a physical object were tokenized and traded on a blockchain, I think the accounting would follow the accounting for that physical object. But with Bitcoin, unlike a physical object or even an intangible financial instrument, ownership of the asset doesn't come with any specific rights to cash, specific rights to physical objects. So in many cases, by default, something like Bitcoin or another plain vanilla cryptocurrency would fall under the accounting model for intangible assets. So, for example, IAS 38. In contrast, if you look at other digital assets, such as coins and an initial coin offering, They may convey specific utility or financial characteristics, and in those cases, I would follow the accounting for those underlying rights and obligations. At the end of the day, what's being tokenized will determine the accounting. And I'd also note here that depending on what's being tokenized, you might be subject to particular regulatory requirements. So if what you're tokenizing is deemed to be a security, that might expose you to the regulations around securities issuances. Thanks, Brian. That's really helpful. On that point, we'll be looking in more detail at the accounting implications in a later podcast. I think at the moment, it's really important for our listeners to know that this is a really live area. It's a movable beast. And there's a huge amount of excitement around cryptocurrencies at the moment, but also around enterprise applications, for blockchain tech itself. So the use cases for blockchain tech, and especially in a financial reporting setting, I think this could really kind of steer us towards levels of standardization, which were hard to achieve in the past. Absolutely, Emma. And some of the people that are most excited about blockchain envision a world where many of the things that are manual and very labor intensive today are automated. So, for example, you might think about a security settlement when a security is traded from one party to another goes through a very complicated process that can take several days. Some blockchain proponents Envision a world in which those securities might trade on a blockchain. And even more than that, when you start to layer in something called smart contracts, some people envision a world in which a dividend to be paid on a stock would automatically get paid when a certain amount of earnings is registered on the company. So you can imagine a very automated world in which computers drive actions that have historically been performed by human beings. Yeah, I think companies are really trying to figure out where blockchain and smart contract solutions can win out over traditional processes. That concept of a smart contract, you know, which really boils down to if this, then that kind of automation of any form of contract is very appealing. And companies are spending a lot of money trying to figure out how they can utilize the tech and the concepts. The horizons really just open up when we think about how other automation technologies can complement blockchain and how they might come together in an enterprise setting. 
the new technologies are, are really quite disruptive. You know, we're seeing it certainly disrupt many traditional business models. And you've mentioned financial reporting and how important it is to stay vigilant. I think it's certainly true for digital assets where it's not always clear, as you mentioned before, how existing accounting and auditing frameworks will be applied. And I think once you start tokenizing things, as you've expressed, that sounds like it's a lot trickier. Absolutely. And I think this is an area where traditional financial reporting people like accountants, finance personnel, audit committees, auditors, both internal and external, can play a really key role in assessing and addressing the risks that accompany innovation. We'll take a look at some of the more detailed questions around risk and governance and controls in our next podcast. But at the highest level, people involved in the financial markets need to pay close attention to developments in this space. Thank you very much, Brian and Emma. That's really set the scene, but there's clearly a lot more to think about in this area. As mentioned, we'll be returning to this topic in future episodes, specifically looking at risk and governance issues, and separately in some more detail at the accounting implications of what we talked about today. So, for now, thank you all very much for taking the time to listen to this edition of I For Us today, and look out for our next episode, which will be released in the coming weeks. (laughs) 